Welcome back, students of the dojo. This week, we're continuing our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Today, we're going to take a look at the Warlock class, its new features and subclasses. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Bill, Scott, Lou, Scott, Bill, Lou, how's it going? Fantastic. It's going well. Warlocks. warlocks. I, I like warlocks. I do too. Yeah. You, you you like the new warlocks. I like the, well, one of the new warlocks. One of the new warlocks. <clears throat> well, Tasha's got some uh, new warlocks for us. And I know one of them, uh, Lou Fancies. Uh, just a tad. And it's, he's been drooling in anticipation of his episode for it, about three months now. Yeah. And we've purposely put it off just to be. Just to be jerks. The same way they purposely put anything with psionics in the front, just to be jerks. Yeah. I guess what goes around comes around. Yep. That is right. That is right. Sons of bitches. (laughs) So thank you, Keanu Reeves, for uh, being the model for the uh, human warlock of the Fathomless. I'm a huge fan of pretty much everything. That does look like him. Not just it, does, it. it looks amazingly like him. I mean, more so than even some of your other um, references. references. But yeah, I um, it's a waterlogged matrix. Yeah, you know, you uh, imagine him in a uh, black suit beating the shit out of people <laughs> with a spectral tentacle. With a a spectral tentacle. Now there is a a lot going on with with that with that hentai warlock, but. Well, <laughs> We'll get into that any any minute now. Um, first things first. Yes. Well, we're talking otherworldly patrons um, with the with the warlocks here. So uh, we get some new patrons, but the uh, optional class features, of course, as anywhere else in this book, uh, they are optional. Um, the warlock gets some additional warlock spells, and they're not bad. No, this is actually a pretty impressive list. Um, yeah. I, I think the cantrips impressed me almost more than everything else. Yeah, there, and there's a heavy uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything presence Very, in, yeah. in the uh, new Warlock spells. Especially right out of the gates. I'd like to make one clarification, though. Please do. Unlike some of the other classes where they automatically get these spells, Warlocks have to learn these or choose and learn these spells. Yes, they do. So they don't get them right off the bat like some of the other classes. There's some there's some work, a little bit of work, into yep. it. Yeah. a little. But they they have a few tricks up their sleeves for retaining a few extra spells. That yes, they do. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons I I like this class. Um, I haven't played a whole lot of spellcasters lately. I used to be the one that got stuck with the mage all the time because no one wanted to play as a mage because if you hit with a rock, you you pretty much die. Yeah, or like if you fall down. Yeah, if you trip, yep. you pretty much lost half your hit, hit points. So I got stuck playing the with the spellcasters a lot. Or if you were in a bar and got hit in the head <laughs> with a chair. Oh, dead. Dead. Fortunately, we're in the bar. Put up on notice. Wizard wanted. 
Yeah, it was uh, boy. It was uh, playing playing any <laughs> magic using class in old D anD D was deadly. Well, yeah, it was just it was it was hard. Yeah, so I got stuck playing those a lot. So I stepped away from it for quite a while, and now I'm more than happy to get back into it. And Warlock was one of the first ones I made. Yeah, the survivability is much higher. Oh, considerably. Yeah, it was uh, before it was it was like being a radio operator in in a war zone. <laughs> you know, yeah. your life expectancy yeah, was aim for the antenna. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's let's go over some of these, shall we? Oh yeah, let's. Uh, cantrip, booming blade, one of Tom's favorites. The green flame blade. I happen to like that one a lot. Lightning lure, mind sliver, and sword burst. So that's just cantrips. If you uh, don't, if you have a blade or need one, you're pretty much all set here. Yeah, I uh, the warlock to me seems like the most badass of all the all the classes that would have fallen in the old days under that magic user umbrella. Right. Yeah. You know, more so than, than the wizard or, or even, even the sorcerer, you know, you were just, these warlocks are, they've come into their own. They they have, it is very much a, a class unto itself. It's similar to the others, but I have endeared myself to this particular class quite a bit. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you ever miss the illusionist from a D and D? Yes. Do you really? I played the illusionist a lot, and I had a blast, especially back then. Everyone I played with was considerably younger. The game was new, and my imagination ran rampant. So if I could think it, it appeared, and I had no problem with the illusionist. I I made it a fairly formidable character when it was not designed to be at all. No, no. I I think they disappeared after AD&D, right? After 2.5? Because they didn't carry over to three, did they? I that I don't know. I didn't play three or four, so I don't know. I I played a little bit, and I don't recall them. But that could be that it, I was so disenchanted from three to four that I didn't delve all that deep. Yeah, they were kind of like the uh, Crystal Pepsi of the, <laughs> you know, of the D and D classes. You know, they just they came out. They were a nice novelty, and then they they disappeared. Well, being illusionist and clear, I, I think I'd uh, Zima, Zima. Yeah, they were the Zima of the or. <laughs> yeah, or uh, Olestra. Ooh. Do you remember o- Olestra? Nope. Olestra. Um, be you know anybody younger than us, which is uh, a huge chunk of the population in general. Sixty-seven uh, percent of our listenership, by the way. Yeah, be thankful that you didn't live through the 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 same decades we did. As wonderful as the eighties and the nineties were, kids, your generation didn't have Olestra. Olestra was used uh, to make fat-free potato chips to add that delicious fatty flavor which it fell short from but one of the uh one of the disclaimers on the back of the <laughs> chip bags was may cause anal leakage. leakage yep right so you got leaky butt eating a bag of of these <laughs> olestra like lays potato chips and that was because the synthetic olestra oil could not be broken down by the body so it just kind of traveled through your intestines and and you ended up with weeping sphincter yeah which is which is awful. It is. Right? I mean, it's uh. It led to the the uh, I think the the indoctrination of the term shart. Yeah, it was. I mean, very. <laughs> Ask your parents. Ask your parents. Yeah. They'll they'll explain to you. Effortless leaking of the yes. the the anus. Uh, it's just. Uh, we digress. Yes. Yes. Why, why don't you take us into the third level spell? I don't know how that how that <laughs> happened, but um. So at We're, third level, you get intellect fortress. 
Spirit Shroud, Summon Fay. Who did we just talk talk about that had Summon Fay? Was it or am I thinking of something different? I thought we talked about a spellcaster recently with spellcasting class with Summon Fay. Was it a druid? Maybe. Possibly. That was a month ago, and I don't remember. Well, that's because we're if you well, add us all together, we're over 150 years old. Yeah, I um I, I put my car keys down uh, two hours ago. I have no idea where they went. Summon Shadow Spawn and Summon Undead. I mean, the summon stuff is lots of summoning is, at third level is cool. Like yeah. thematic, thematically very cool for the warlock. I a lot of your other your spell casters you had first, second, third, fourth. You know, just two or three in each one. This one here, boatload of cantrips, boatload at third level. So when you hit third level, your warlock is is getting badass. The badassery yeah. is, is 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 peaking in the red zone there. Then you go, then you go to fourth, summon aberration. That's like it. That. I mean, it's it's an awesome spell, but that's all you get at fourth. But that's all you need with everything, all that stuff at third. Then you jump in the fifth, um, mislead, planar binding, teleportation circle. Very, uh, very, very warlocky uh, mm-hmm. themed spells here. I really like what they did. You, you get another summon spell at uh, six level with summon fiend. Um, and what warlock doesn't want to summon a fiend? I mean, I, you almost it. It's it's part of the the whole trope. I tried it. We end up with little Lou. Yeah, and we can't send them back. No, we tried banish. It doesn't work. Yep, we tried everything. Immune. <laughs> and um, then and then uh tasha's otherworldly guys seventh level you get dream of the blue veil sounds like a romance novel i am unfamiliar with that one as am i it's got a man in a pirate shirt on up the cover up, of the up to eight willing creatures uh within rainfall unconscious for the spell's duration and experience visions of another world on the material plane such as orth toral kren eberron if the spell reaches its full duration, the visions conclude with each of you encountering and pulling back a mysterious blue curtain. The spell then ends with you mentally and physically transported to the world that was in the visions. That is sick. Whoa. That's 10-minute casting time. I mean, it's, it's a little bit to, to warm up, but, I mean, you're just you're lobbing them off to another world. Yeah. Wow. That That is uh, duration six hours. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And that has the makings for a pretty neat couple gaming sessions, right? Um, There's the beauty of one-shots. Yeah. Go on. Ninth level. Blade of Disaster. <laughs> I just love the sound of that. That That is uh, that is Lou's nickname at the gaming table, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so that's perfectly fitting. It, it certainly is. And then there's Gate and uh, Weird. Weird. That's another really cool uh, psychic damage one. Uh, drawn on the deepest fears of the group of creatures. Uh, how can you not like that? Yeah, that's um, that's right in that that warlock wheelhouse. You know, uh, just magnifying those fears and tormenting uh, your foes. Yeah, it's a, this is. I really, really enjoy the selection of spells. It is. It is a nice. Nice spell list that they come with, and we normally don't spell spend this much time on the spell list. But that one was so cool that we oh yeah just, we kind of yeah. had to go through it. it. Was uh it was worth really just kind of looking at it uh, again. 
So when when you get to your third level, you have the packed boon option. So when you choose a packed boon feature, the following options available to you. So you have a pack of the talisman. Uh, your patron gives you an amulet, a talisman that you can aid the wielder when the need is great. When the wielder when the wielder fails an ability check, they can add a d4 to the roll, potentially turning it into a success. This benefit can be used a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and all the expended uses are restored when you finish a long rest. I like that one. That's pretty cool. It's, it, a, it's a new. Ooh. It's a new one. And it, yep. The way I look at it, if I'm because I can give this to somebody else to use. Yes, you can. Now, you know, it's like a role reversal. Now I'm their patron because you know I'm going to give you this for something. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to take my talisman. You know, I'm going to let you use it. I want something to return. Well, the beauty is too, if you lose it, you just perform a ceremony for one hour and yep. it, your patron gives you a new one. So it, and the other one, you know, obviously is destroyed. So you can give it to somebody and go, hey, well, I'm going to keep this. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to sit over here in the corner for a few minutes. You know, boop, okay. Yep. Reach in their pocket and they pull out dust and you have a new talisman. I would, I would approach it much in the same way that Lou mentioned. Um, but that would be like between the patron and the warlock where every time you use that, it's like now there's there's a favor that you owe me, and it may not it may not be something that the character really wants to do, but it could be something to further the motivations of the, whoever the patron is. Right. Yeah. Because even even though the, the the benefits are small, it's a D four to to help you out. They add up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and if I'm letting you use my talisman. Yeah, there's going to be prices to be paid. Oh, the spread of the influence of your patron. Yep. So I, I like that. That's got that's got a lot of story potential. Very much. And there's uh, Eldritch Versatility. You get that at fourth level. And whenever you, you reach a level in, in this class, that grants the ability score improvement feature. So every time you come up on a new tier, you can do one of the following. Um, and this is, represents that change of focus in your occult studies. And we saw something similar when, with, to this with many of the other classes that we went over. Uh, you can replace one cantrip you learned from the class's pack magic feature with another cantrip from the warlock spell list. Replace the option you choose for the pack boon feature with one of the feature's other options. And if you're 12th level or higher, you can replace one spell from your mystic arcanum feature with another warlock spell of the same level. And that right there is a game changer. That is huge, because yeah. uh-huh. you know once you pick your Mystic Arcanums, you're stuck with them. Not anymore. Nope. Well, not at twelfth level. If this change makes you ineligible for any of the Eldritch invocations, which you must also replace them now. So, little realignment there. Yep. Not too bad. So we have the Eldritch invocation options. So when you choose your Eldritch invocations, you have access to additional options. This one, the prerequisite is at twelfth level, but it's Bond of the Talisman. While someone else is wearing your talisman, you can use your action to teleport to the unoccupied space closest to them, provided the two you're on the same plane of existence. The wearer of your talisman can do the same thing using their action to teleport to you. The teleportation can be used a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and all expended uses are restored with a long rest. That's uh, interesting. It is. It's a, it's a- while it's not going to come up as much as you think you are, no, as it no. will, because of you know the level requirements, right? That is um that's very interesting because you know if you could get to a message to me, I can pop into you. Of course, now you're going to have to pay me because you're using my talisman again. That's <laughs> something you owe me, but I'm there to help you or rescue you. 
Well, the thing, think if you're in combat with, and you were overwhelmed and you're on death's door, I'm going to grab this talisman and I'm leaving the area. And this will probably not invoke an attack of opportunity because you're not passing. You're literally disappearing. Right. So it's like, bink, and you're next year like, okay, uh, about uh, favors, one more, heal. Yep. <laughs> so that one's cool. Yeah, it, it's it's got some meat to it already. It does. You know, just, just right out of the gate. Eldritch Mind gives you advantage on constitution saving throws that you make to maintain your concentration on a spell. Um, we got Far Scribe at fifth level. That's a Pact of the Tome feature. A new page appears in your Book of Shadows, and with your permission, a creature can use its action to write its name on that page, which can contain a number of names equal to your proficiency bonus. You can use the cast the sending spell targeting a creature whose name is on the page without using a spell slot and without using material components. To do so, you must write the message on the page. The target hears the message in their mind, and if the target replies, their message appears on the page rather than in your mind. The writing disappears after one minute. As an action, you can magically erase a name on this page by touching it. So it goes after a minute. It's like that. Uh, what's the What's that app that uh, now all the kids are sending like naked pictures of one another to today? That disappears after after know. like a couple seconds. They've told me this a bunch of times. Other young people at work. What is I it? have Instagram? no idea. You got to got to remember that. No, not Instagram. I don't. I don't. No, it's um, Snapchat. I think that is it. Yeah, it's like yeah. the the Snapchat of the Warlock world. Huh. I'll have to check my son's phone now. Oh, you better. You got it. Yeah, that's something that you need to keep an eye on. Yeah, he's a teenager. You better be checking. Yeah. But Someone does... should be checking your phone. No. <laughs> that was a long pause. That was that was a long pause, which means nothing's disappearing <laughs> after a minute on his phone. <laughs> Well, let's or, let's, or, let's or move. Lou. Let's move on. Yeah, before, before his yeah, wife listens to this episode and he goes, "Well, let's see your phone, sweetheart." Uh, Gift of the Protectors. Uh, this is at ninth level. Uh, Pact of the Tome feature. A new page peer, appears in your book of shadows, and with your permission, a creature can use its action to write. Did we just do this one? Nope. No. Oh, gee, it's, I was going to say, wow, it starts off just like the other one. So let's try this again. With your permission, a creature can use its action to write its name on that page which can contain a number of names equal to your proficiency bonus. When any creature whose name is on the page is reduced to zero hit points, but not killed outright, the creature magically drops to one hit point instead. Once this magic is triggered, no creature can benefit from it until you finish a long rest. As an action, you can magically erase the name on the page by touching it. So that's... It's a small get-out-of-jail-free card. It's a small get-out-of-jail-free card. That one hit point keeps them from making the death saves, and that's not too bad. So, yeah. Definitely a gift. Investment of the Chain Master has uh, probably the coolest name out of all of this. <laughs> Agreed. When you cast uh, Find Familiar, you infuse the Summoned Familiar with a measure of your Eldritch Power, granting the creature the following benefits. Gains either a flying speed or a swimming speed, whatever your choice is, of 40 feet. You can command the Familiar to take the attack action. The familiar's weapon attacks are considered magical for the purpose of overcoming immunity and resistance to non-magical attacks. If the familiar forces a creature to make a saving throw, it uses your spell save DC. And when the familiar takes damage, you can use your reaction to grant it resistance against that damage. That's pretty neat. That's like having having like a combat pet. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I know my, my warlock, this black star, would 
very quickly put this on her from there. It's a fairy dragon, so it's already pretty cool to start with, but I, I like that. I'm going to have to get that one. So, Protection of the Talisman, uh, seventh level. When aware of your talisman fails a saving throw, you can add a D4 to the roll, potentially turning the save into a success. This benefit can be used a number of times, equal to proficiency bonus, and as usual, long rest to restore. So that's uh, another little, let's help somebody out wearing my talisman. Lou's going to be passing these damn talismans out to everybody. Yeah, it's anything, anytime Lou does something nice for you, always be concerned. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like the it, it's uh, nicer for him, the devil and Daniel Webster. <laughs> yeah, with you know what part Lou's playing? It ain't Daniel Webster. <laughs> He's out there at the street corner with a golden fiddle. Yeah, <laughs> refusing anybody in farmer jeans. <laughs> Rebuke of the talisman. So when the wearer of your talisman is hit by an attacker, you can see within thirty feet of you. You can use your reaction to deal psychic damage to the attacker. Equal to your proficiency bonus, and push it up to 10 feet away from the talisman's wearer. Pretty sweet. I like that one. Yeah, that's like, not like that that's one. not bad. That's kind of like uh, a little touch of the, the shield master with his, you know, with his yep. defenses, Yeah, but 30 feet away in psychic damage. And then Undying Servitude, fifth level. You can cast Animate Dead without using a spell slot. Once you do so... You can't cast again until you finish a long rest. So, gee, in case you don't have enough people with talismans and it doesn't work, just animate them and take them along anyways. Yeah, it beats carrying their body. It does. You just have them walk along with you and, you know, uh, hope you can get to a proper monastery or larger church or whatever before they start to decay and stink very badly. And you can have them, like, carry stuff. Just don't let them carry your, your rations because they no. kind of... You know, it picks up the smell of the, the flesh and makes it kind of a little tough to eat those biscuits. Yes. Which are already tough enough as it is <laughs> if you've ever had hardtack. So let's move on to some otherworldly patrons. There we go. Let's. All right. First level, your warlock gains other otherworldly patron feature, which offers you the choice of a subclass. The following options are available to you when making that choice. You have the Fathomless and the Genie. Yep. And there's our boy Keanu. Yep. Casting yep. tentacles. When I first read the Fathomness, I'm like, wow, this is this is okay. It's kind of cool. And then I read it through a couple more times, and I'm like, oh, well, he's about as cool as Aquaman. Uh, yep, that's exactly what I, I thought, yeah, too. I just, wow. It, yeah. it, it looked like it would be really cool, but if you're nowhere near water, this is useless. If it's a small body of water, it's still useless. It's kind of a, a niche. Uh, yeah. It's ultra niche. Sub- yeah. yeah. Yep. It would fit beautifully in an aquatic campaign, which is something I've always wanted to do. As I've always wanted to run an aquatic campaign, and just with a whole bunch of different different races and have it all underwater. Logistically, there's a lot to take into take into account, but that's an episode for a later time. Yes, it is. Um, but in the meantime. Yeah, let's let's talk the fathomless. So you've uh, made a pact with the deeps, an entity of the ocean, some elemental on the plane of water, or uh, another otherworldly sea that now allows you to draw on its thalassic power. I like that word, thalassic. thalassic. I have no idea what it means, but I like <laughs> it. It sounds very otherworldly, very learned. The definition for thalassic is relating to the sea. Well, I guess that makes sense. Well, how in depth 
I feel informed now. Inquiring yes, minds so. want to know. So maybe your your warlock was born into a generational cult that venerates the fathomless and its spawn, or you might have been shipwrecked on the brink of a or on the brink of drowning when your patron's grasp offered you a chance at life. Whatever it is, uh, the sea and its unknown depths call to you, I, and I think that's uh, that's a pretty cool concept. But it is very niche. Entities of the deep that might empower uh, a warlock could include krakens or ancient water elementals, godlike hallucinations dreamed into being by Kuatoa, which I think is a really good choice. Yeah. Um, merfolk, demigods, sea hag covens, maybe even what? What is it? Uh, Blibdul Pulp. That's the god of the. Is it the Kuatoa or. The Kuatoa, if I remember correctly, I think that is it. But you know, yeah. they bring anything into existence as long as they believe into it. Yes, which which is which is how they brought their god into existence. Which is fascinating yep. and really really interesting, and uh, a little bit frightening. Like that, there's all of these crazy fish people running around. I mean, you can you imagine if that was real and <laughs> we were able to do that? All the bizarre shit that be going on, but that would make that would make for a fantastic kind of story arc in an aquatic campaign. But there's a lot of stuff down there that that could that could provide your warlock with with its warlock power. Um, and and now we move on to an expanded spell list. So let's get into that, shall we? It's a short one, but um, first level: create or destroy water, thunder wave which I think has a completely different meaning underwater. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's like farting in the bathtub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. Second level, gust of wind and silence. Uh, third, lightning bolt and sleet storm. Fourth, control water, summon elemental. Love the summoning. Water only. And fifth, Bigby's hand that appears as a tentacle and cone of cold. Everything about this character is it's is just once again there an awful lot of the anime, yeah, and, uh, influences this one here probably more than anything else because from this point on it's tentacles, tentacles, tentacles. Anybody <laughs> under the age of eighteen, uh, tune this out now. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's gonna get a little yeah. dicey from here on in. <laughs> well, there's a tentacle of the deeps. You can magically summon a spectral tentacle that strikes at your foes. As a bonus action, you create a 10-foot-long tentacle at a point you can see within 60 feet of you. The tentacle lasts for a minute or until you use this feature to create another tentacle. When you create the tentacle, you can make a melee spell attack against one creature within 10 feet of it. On a hit, the target takes 1d8 cold damage, and its speed is reduced by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. When you reach 10th level in this class, the damage increases to 2d8. As a bonus action on your turn, you can move the tentacle up to 30 feet and repeat the attack. And you can summon the tentacle a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. 30, 30 feet out. That's um, oh, 60 feet out. That That's a good distance to have a 10-foot tentacle just pop up. Yeah. Despite the showing Keanu with it on his arm, that 
is probably the only one I've seen so far that looks interesting. I think I'd be using that a lot. Um, still, at first level, you also get Gift of the Sea. You gain a swimming speed of 40 feet, and you can breathe underwater. Very handy for your aquatic character to be able to breathe yep. underwater. Yeah. Um, and then we go into Oceanic Soul. So this jumps up at sixth level. Uh, you're now even more at home in the depths, and you gain resistance to cold damage. In addition, when you are fully submerged, any creature that is also fully submerged can understand your speech, and you can understand theirs. There's the Aquaman. Aquaman. I guess Jason Momoa wasn't available for the artwork, so. I, it would have been much more impressive. It would have been. Uh, Guardian Coil at 6th level. Your tentacle of the deeps can defend you and others, interposing itself between them and harm. When you are a creature you can see takes damage within 10 feet of the tentacle, you can use your reaction to choose one of those creatures and reduce the damage to the creature by 1d8. When you reach 10th level in the class, the damage reduced by the tentacle increases to 2d8. It's not too bad. It's not. It's um, I see this this class being kind of out of place pretty much everywhere. But, well, yeah. Yeah, true. Just, I mean, this is... It's, I think I, they missed the mark on this one. I, I think for for a long, long time, when I started in Venture and you started on a ship, it was almost a kiss of death. I don't know why. It just seemed to work out that way. Even when I didn't want the ship to sink, the characters would do something stupid and sink the ship. And the only person that would die is usually the one that, the only one that had the swimming skill. Because back then you had to actually take swimming. You didn't just get it. Right. Um, so you had to take it as a skill. And... I think on three separate occasions, the ship sank. Uh, twice I sank it, and once the characters did. And the only person that drowned was the only one that had swimming. Moral, uh, moral of the story, don't wear metal armor. Yeah, it doesn't float. But at least with the guarding coil, you're, you're now able to use your uh, your tentacle on somebody else. I, I mean for somebody else. <laughs> Grasping tentacles at 10th level. You learn uh, Everd's Black Tentacles, and it counts as a Warlock spell for you, but it doesn't count against the number of spells you know. You can also cast it once without a spell slot, and you regain the ability to do so when you finish a long rest. And whenever you cast a spell, your patron's magic bolsters you, granting you a number of temporary hit points equal to your Warlock level. Moreover, damage can't break your concentration on this spell. So that's kind of beefy, but 10th level, they're supposed to be. Yeah. And let's get to the capstone, shall we? At 14th level, you get the Fathomless Plunge. You can magically open temporary conduits to watery destinations. As an action, you can teleport yourself and up to five other willing creatures that you can see within 30 feet of you. Amid a whirl of tentacles, you all vanish and then reappear up to a mile away in a body of water you've seen, pond size or larger, or within 30 feet of it each of you appearing in an unoccupied space within 30 feet of the others. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. So your capstone feature basically allows you to, I don't know, take you and your party on a nice vacation in a pool in Cancun. If it's something within a mile. Yeah. yeah that you know. Or a bathtub. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is kind of... This is super, super niche. I, I, like yeah. I said, I think they missed their mark when they were de- designing this character. Um, it, they had kinda, the right idea, but it started okay. Yeah, they kind of have the just... Lovecraft feel, but I think they missed it, and yeah. it, it went way south. And um, yeah. you're better off playing you know, another 
subclass, not this one. That's just my opinion. I, I think it would have been better served if these tentacles didn't have anything to do with water, but maybe you were summoning uh, tentacles from some other plane, you know, be it, you know, tentacles almost like an octopus would have or like an Everard's black tentacles, which which stands out like a sore thumb for this this particular subclass or patron. Uh, but I think it would have been better served for it to be something more corporeal instead of water-based. Agreed. Because yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been so niche otherwise. I mean, I would still I would still hope to include this on an aquatic campaign, but I think it, I really do think it'd be out of place pretty much anywhere else. But it is. I'm playing in a campaign now um, with this class, and I haven't really we're more than a mile away from from shore, and I haven't seen any other ponds or lakes or anything for me to use. You know, if I had to, if I was this level, to use this ability. You know, it's really a hit or miss with this one. Yeah, I'm not enamored by this one. It, they said, it started with some great potential, but fizzled really, really fast. I mean, if you just want to play thematically, I guess you can. If you want to play Aquaman, if you know, if you're doing like a a, a, a ship campaign, ship to ship or ship to shore, yep. or if you're on an island yep. or something like that, you get left. Like I said, if you start off or get left on an island, but that doesn't happen particularly often. No. All right, well, we've decided that we don't really like this one, so let's move on to Lou's favorite. And there's the gong, so it's time for a break. Let's talk about this week's sponsor. Drip It is an online gaming magazine that focuses on the gamer, not just the games. Join the discussion of Dungeons & Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games, retro gaming, classic gaming, and all those great games that don't get enough attention. Drippit calls itself an inclusive gaming roundtable. Yes, just like King Arthur's Knights of the Roundtable. Regardless of who you are or what you're playing, you are equally deserving of the respect owed to all who do battle in the world of gaming. Check them out at drippit.com. That's D-R-I-P-P-I-T.com. There's the gong, and now we're back from break. It is. It, this this one has a lot of potential. I think out of all the Warlocks, I would put it up even up against the Hexblade. Yeah. Because of the versatility this patron has. Yeah, there is a lot of different places you can go with this one. Yes. And all of them have a good bang for the buck. Yes, they do. So we're talking about the Genie. So you have made a pact with one of the rarest kinds of genies, a noble genie. Such entities rule vast fiefs on the elemental planes and have great influence over lesser genies and elemental creatures. Noble genies are varied in their motivations, but most are arrogant and wield power that rivals that of lesser deities. They delight in turning the table on mortals, who often bind genies into servitude and readily enter into packs that expand their reach. So you can choose amongst four different genie kinds. Uh, We have the Dao, the Jinn, the Afridi, and the Merid. Did I pronounce those right there, Lou? I believe so. Stop muting yourself. I know. (laughs) It is somewhat refreshing, though. (laughs) I know you're not going to complain. (laughs) You're just going to mute you. Be careful. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's kind of cool because... your spells that you gain are based on, you know, what type gin you're going with. And later on, in some of the other features we've looked at, uh, it when you're dealing with your vessel, 
a lot of that your what happens with your vessel and what you know, the spells you cast amongst it are based on which of the gin you take. So this is uh this is fun. I'd have I I would you know I would have a great time with this as a DM because I would I would be very tempted to have the patron be somewhere in the city of brass. Wish granted. You know, maybe <laughs> a uh maybe a, a minor noble genie, someone uh short, awkward and plump, you know, used to living a life laying about on pillows and you know in these gaudy like apartments somewhere in the city of brass, you know, gigantic rings on their fingers, toe rings, big hoop earrings. Now you're sounding like you're going anime. You know, just <laughs> something something like that is uh, seemingly comical and a very, very sinister entity. Yeah, you have a tough time taking them serious just because of his... His appearance. His appearance and, and the way he maybe a high-pitched, whiny voice or... Then realizing that he is wielding really, really powerful and, magic, and and it's too late because yeah. I didn't take him seriously, and now now I've entered into a uh, a pact with some some sinister creature. I like I like the the whole, you know. Now you're stuck in a pact with this guy you thought was just a fool, and to find out that oh oh crap, um, he's not a fool, not at all, and has these malicious. Well, maybe not necessarily malicious, but, or maybe it is, but, you know, designs on things, and now you're one of his puppets. Yep, it's kind of some self-serving agenda mm-hmm. that you are now involved in, whether you like it or not. So this is a fairly substantial spell list because we're dealing with a variety of them. So at first level, uh, just as a genie, you get detect evil and good. Now, depending on... Which genie you are, your Tao gets Sanctuary, your Jin gets Thunderwave, your Freedy gets Burning Hands, and your Married gets Fog Cloud. Second level, your genie gets Phantasmal Force, your Tao gets Spike Growth, your Jin gets Gust of Wind, your Freedy gets Scorching Ray, and your Married gets Blur. Well, we'll see as we get further. They are very, very polarized to the, the type Jin that you are. Very much so. Third, uh, all genies get create food and water. Your Tao gets meld into stone. Your Jin gets wind wall. Afridi gets fireball. And Merid gets sleet storm. Fourth, you all get phantasmal killer, which Lou pointed out is considerably different than the one I'm used to. The Tao gets stone shape. Your Jin gets greater invisibility. Afridi gets fire shield. And your Merid gets control water. Fifth, all, everyone gets creation. The Tao gets Wall of Stone. The Jin gets Seeming. Efridi gets Flame Strike. And Merid gets Cone of Cold. And ninth. All genies get Wish. Something they didn't get before. I don't think any other warlock gets Wish. Game changer. Uh, yeah. yeah, that could be huge. Although it's not uh, it's, coming yeah. from the second edition where we're used to. Wish is a little different now, but yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, they kind of pulled it back just, just a, a touch. A, yeah. a, enough to make it palatable. Yes. Yeah, before Wish was dangerous, yes. especially in the hands of some mean, awful bastard like me. Because um, if I was your DM, you better word that thing perfect. Mostly because people are asking for stuff they really shouldn't have. That's right. If you were sitting at Bill's table and you're like, <laughs> I wish for a little head, 
guarantee your 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 hat size was going to be considerably smaller than it was before, and your voice considerably squeakier. So why'd you take us into the vessel? The vessel's the cool part. Yeah, your patron gifts you a magical vessel that grants you a measure of your genie's power. The vessel is a tiny object, and you can use it as a spellcasting focus for your warlock spells. You decide what the object is, or you can determine what it is randomly by rolling on the genie's vessel table. It could be an oil lamp, which is, I think, the traditional genie vessel. Iconic. Yep. Yep. An urn, if you want to go a little litchy with it. You're uh, a ring with a compartment, a la um, The Flash has one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, a stoppered bottle a hollow statuette, or an ornate lantern. While you are touching the vessel, you can use it in the following ways. Bottled respite. As an action, you can magically vanish and enter your vessel, which remains in the space you left. The interior of the vessel is an extra-dimensional space in the shape of a 20-foot radius cylinder, 20 feet high, and resembles your vessel. The interior is appointed with cushions and low tables and is a comfortable temperature, while inside... You can hear the area around your vessel as if you were in its space. You can remain inside the vessel up to a number of hours equal to twice your proficiency bonus. You exit the vessel early if you use a bonus action to leave. You die or if the vessel is destroyed. When you exit the vessel, you appear in an unoccupied space closest to it. Any objects left in the vessel remain there until carried out. And if your vessel is destroyed, every object stored there harmlessly appears in the unoccupied spaces closest to the vessel's former space. Once you enter the vessel, you can't enter again until you finish a long rest. So that's, do you remember I Dream a Genie? <laughs> I don't it sounded like exactly the, what it is. Yep. A wisp of smoke that comes out and just lands a couple feet away. Yep, it sounds exactly like the inside of her genie bottle looked. Yep. When, whenever they, they did, it was all cushions and stuff like that. You can have fun with that. That's that's just cool. It is cool. And well, it's free storage, too. It's free storage. And yeah, it's like I, a bag of if, you, if you were out there and decided, all right, I'm going to hide this under some bushes in a, you know, in a nook of a tree, something like that. It's kind of like having that, that layman's instant fortress, a tiny hut with you all the time. Because all you do is hide it before you decide to get in there. And who, you know, I think yeah, the only thing with downside with that is you have to put it in there because you can only go in as you're touching it. Right. So you put it in there and then, yes, you can do it that way. Yeah. You put it in there, you're touching it and you hide it. And then you come, when you come out, you're in Uh, the unoccupied space closest to it. So this is a really, and later on, you can drag people in there along with you. So this would be an interesting little way to To get around, to get around and to find a place to rest. Because at at first level, you can be in there for four hours. Right. That's short rest. Yep. Well, you get it as if you're a long rest, but. Mm. But eventually, you know, you're, you're going to get to that long rest right. time frame. And, you know, why else would you go in there oh, if not to, like, rest comfortably? That and then timetable you... actually changes for while you're in there, too, in later levels. Yep. Cool. So then you get Genie's Wrath. Uh, once during each of your turns, when you hit with an attack roll, you can deal extra damage to the target equal to your proficiency bonus. The type of this damage is determined by your patron. Bludgeoning for Dao, Thunder for Jin. Fire free of Freedy and cold for the Merid. The vessel's AC equals your spell save DC. Its hit points equal to your warlock level plus your proficiency bonus and is immune to poison and psychic damage. 
If your vessel is destroyed or you lose it, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. The ceremony can be performed during a short or long rest, and the previous vessel is destroyed if it still exists. The vessel vanishes in a flare of elemental power when you die. I like it just for the free extra damage. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I I really think uh, everything about this pretty cool. Like yep. it's it's just it's neat. It is. You are essentially a genie. Yep, and they're doing a good job up to this point of rebuilding, reenacting what most people think the stereotypical genie could be. And of course, you don't have to be the stereotypical genie, but if you want to be, this it, is it. It's, it's there. So so far, it's there. I think Lou would make a fine genie. I know he really likes this patron, but I I don't know. I I see him in blue paint, maybe with a fez, little you know silks. Yeah, I can see it too. Being with a pointy toed shoes. Yeah, being like clever and sinister and scheming. Yeah, much yeah. like my everyday life. Much much like M- the everyday life yeah, yep. to a T. Now, where were we? We're at Elemental Gift, We right? were, yes. This is, uh, you get this at sixth level. So you begin to take on the characteristics of your patron's kind. So you now have resistance to a damage type determined by your patron's kind, such as bludgeoning with the Tao, thunder with the Jin, and fire with the Afridi, or cold with the Merid. In addition, as a bonus action, you could give yourself a flying speed of 30 feet that lasts for 10 minutes, during which you can hover. You know, what? what's more genie than hovering, you know, in that kind of like cross-legged uh, thing with your, you know, sitting like Bill is now with his arms folded across <laughs> his chest? That's pretty cool. You can use your uh, use this as a bonus action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Yeah, you're right. Just floating around in a little sitting position. and Well, think about the implications of this one. Well, anytime I, you're flying. Yeah, well, now I can't be knocked out of the air. Right. Because I would just love it or hover, right? So there is no falling. That is true, and and that that can really that can really mess with a DM. Yes, it can. DMs yep. don't like anything that flies. Yeah, no. it's well it's, any any characters that can fly. We love the stuff that flies and attacks them. But yeah, when they do it back to us, it it, it sucks. It's because it it takes that uh, one dimensional space, that linear battlefield, and it turns it into a three dimensional space. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, coming. <laughs> that's that's one of the big challenges to an aquatic campaign you it's very three-dimensional you got stuff going on on either side of you above you below you right it it, logistically it could be a little bit challenging but um if you watched enough star trek episodes you don't have any problem with that yeah and i've watched a little star trek in my day i i figure i'd mention that yeah so let's move on to sanctuary vessel 10th level, when you enter your genie's vessel via the bottle respite uh, feature, you can now choose up to five willing creatures that you can see within 30 feet of you, and the chosen creatures are drawn into the vessel with you. As a bonus action, you can eject any number of creatures from the vessel, and everyone is ejected if you leave or die or the vessel is destroyed. In addition, anyone, including you, who remains within the vessel for at least 10 minutes gains the benefit of finishing a short rest and anyone can add your proficiency bonus number to the hit points they regain if they spend any hit dice as part of a short rest there. So now you get the bonus out of a short short rest, but you get the Jin's proficiency bonus on top of it, and it only takes ten minutes. Yeah, and and you can you can invite your you know your people to your crib. That's it. 
and and hang hey. out in your swanky genie pad. Well, for, for the warlock, this is really handy because, you know, yes, I get all my spells back on a short rest. Now my short rests are only 10 minutes. Yep. So yeah. I will get my two spell slots that I used up. I get those back, you know, within 10 minutes. So I now just doubled my spell use for the day potentially. Or, or more because mm-hmm. the spell, 10 minutes is the same thing as casting a ritual. Yeah. So you could do this you know, anytime you need 10 minutes. All right, give me 10 minutes. Boom, there's your spell. There's your spell. There's your spell. While we're traveling, I could yep. you know, put my ring in your hand, hold my ring, go into the bottle. Yep. Now I'm just in there 10 minutes, and you could get into cities that way too. Yeah. I could get anywhere. Ultimate spy. Ultimate spy. Yep. Yeah. With, with fresh spells every 10 minutes. Yep. <laughs> and the big one. Limited wish at 14th level. This is this is the capstone feature, which, I mean, gosh, after... I think it kind of outdo, outdoes pretty much every other capstone we've seen so far. That that fathomless plunge just looks, I don't know. Meh. Meh. Yeah, it, it's, it's, like a, it's like a saltine cracker with no salt on it. <laughs> just kind of bland. Dipped into a, a little water so it's soggy. Soggy. <laughs> Yeah, soggy and bland. Soggy, saltless, saltine. You entreat your patron to grant you a small wish. As an action, you can speak your desire to your genie's vessel, requesting the effect of one spell that is sixth level or lower and has a casting time of one action. The spell could be from any class's spell list, and you don't need to meet the requirements in that spell, including costly components. The spell simply takes effect as part of this action. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish 1d4 long rests. So you kind of have that balance, you know, because that's a pretty potent it is. capstone, yep. but you're not going to just go to sleep and then get it back again. Yeah, it's not you, jumping in your, your bottle for 10 minutes and popping back out going, yeah, let's do another wish. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that's not happening. That, But that's, that's huge. That's, that's potent. At, that's at 14th, and that's pretty big. I I'll, do like the idea that they have limited to a spell effect of 6th level or lower. Because that definitely reigns in inconsiderably yeah. compared to the old one where it's like, all right, write down what you want, and it falls to the DM to try to figure out how to make that work, if it's going to work. It's, so. it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice patron. I, I, like the, I like the genie a lot. The, the, the genie is actually really cool. Good as I find it one of the most more versatile warlocks, only because... You know, with the different types of genie, you know, you get different benefits. But then that limited wish and then later on that wish, yep. um, those are actually really game-changing. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's a, it, It's got the potential to be very, very powerful. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that the, that the Fathomless kind of falls flat. He does. Um, which is unfortunate because it seems to me like they were on – the right track you know they were thinking along the lines of of that kind of cthulhu sort of thing yep. but they just they fell short you know so you got kind of like they couldn't get out of the water yeah it comes yeah. up soggy yeah <laughs> <laughs> i yeah well that's the other side of the coin and how many times have we seen this uh where untasha's we've got these two brand new you know possible um features and one of them looks really, really cool. And one of them is like, eh, meh. What, what the hell were they thinking? Yeah, like it, if they just maybe gave it a little bit more thought. You know, just, uh, all right, let's go back to the drawing board and, and, and take a few things out, modify others. You know, 
keep some things in, then maybe they could have had something a, a little more solid. Right. I mean, um, I think the Paladin was the only one that had. Yes. Well, in our in our estimation, and if you haven't listened to it, listen to our Paladin episode. That was probably the only one that that both of the subclasses were. Really, really good, well thought yeah. out, and well balanced with excellent capstones. Now, granted, one was a little bit better than the other, but Stuff either, impressive. Either of them w- would have been very easy to play and yep. very fun to play, and they would have worked well at the same table. Well, we at said the same time. I think we mentioned if you you know did a, a brother sister or a twin or two best friends or you know, and they're diametrically opposed but worked amazingly well side by side. Uh, but that was one of the few, and then you 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 get this where you get the gin. Awesome! I I like this. I like this a lot. I would like to play one, but Lou's going to ruin it for me. So I'm 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 not. He's he's going to. I'm going to play one. He's going to play one. He's going to piss me off with this class, and then um, I'm going to. I think uh, I'm going to piss off the DM I'm gonna more st- than anything. I'm going to say, well, yeah. If I'm the DM, you're going to piss me off, and then this one's slowly going to start start backsliding into the same hole that the psionicist is in, and so. Unless, of course, you pay a Fathomist, and then I won't care. But. I'm already playing one, and I, I really am disappointed with that class. I, I really am. I kind of rank it down there with the Warlock of the Undying. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed with that one, too. But you have something to fall back. So there you go. The gin. I like the vessel. I do, too. I, I, I like the, the fact that the vessel is not just your house. Um, it grants you powers, it, and, it's, got, and yeah. it becomes the conduit between you and your patron. Yep. And I think that's a really, really cool approach to the vessel. And you could do a fathomless genie, right? I'm just thinking a fathomless genie, your vessel could be like a Poland Springs bottle. <laughs> I, th- I was thinking conch shell, but, you know, okay, a Poland Springs bottle, you know, just. Right, that that way. That's a lot of home brewing right there. <laughs> you know, that way it's, it's, it's plenty of refreshment for the party. <laughs> Um, he's got a bad rap as it is. <laughs> you can see everything he's doing, though. It's a clear bottle. <laughs> and that's a look at the Warlock class and the optional class features for the Warlock. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.